School might be out for the summer, but let's study up on what it means to be a follower of Jesus in our series, Christianity 101, from the book of 1 John. And so this morning, I want to continue our series of messages um, from the book of 1 John. We're getting towards the end of 1 John, and I trust that you have enjoyed this study as much as I have. I mean, I just love the, the Apostle John and his writings to us, just so inspirational and, and such good teaching for us as followers of Jesus Christ. And so I've entitled this series Christianity 101, Christianity 101, for John has been writing about the basics and the essentials of the Christian life, essentials like love and truth and right living. Um, he brings us back to the basics of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it is we are to believe, and how it is we are to live our lives. And now he comes this morning to one more essential for the life of a follower of Jesus, and that essential is faith. Faith. And so this morning I want to speak to us about the importance of faith within the believer's life. And we'll see this morning specifically faith in Jesus Christ. And so we're reading this morning from 1 John chapter 5, and going to begin with verse 1 and read down through verse 15. I trust you'll follow along with me. The scripture will be on the screen, I believe, and also for those of you online, will be at the bottom of your online screen. But John writes to us, 1 John chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. And this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. For who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 6. This is the one who came by the water and the blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his son. Whoever believes in the son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God, they have made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you, to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. May God bless his word to us this morning. Amen. And so this morning, I want to speak to us about the importance of faith, the importance of faith within the believer's life. And you know, there have been many times when faith has been 
misused, misunderstood, and even abused within the church. How many of us know that? For some, some have made faith um, out to be a means by which a person can manipulate God to, to, to get their way with God. Faith has been promoted as a way to obtain material gain and success. And some have even used faith as a means of placing guilt on people for illness or whatever might be wrong in their life. You know, well, if you had enough faith, you wouldn't be so sick or you would have this or you would, you know, everything would be okay. But none of this is what the Bible teaches us about faith. That said, however, we cannot and must not undervalue the worth of faith within the life of the believer. For Jesus said, I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. What great words, amen? And and notice, if you will, Jesus speaks of faith as small as a mustard seed. You know what that says to me? You don't need to have a great big amount of faith. You don't need to be this faith giant. Just a little bit of faith in Jesus goes a really, really long way. Amen? The writer of Hebrews put it this way, Hebrews eleven six, And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon wrote many, many years ago. He wrote these words. I would recommend you either believe God up to the hilt or else not believe at all. Believe this book, every letter of it, or else reject it. There is no logical standing place between the two. Be satisfied with nothing less than a faith that swims in the deeps of divine revelation. For a faith that paddles about the edge of the water is poor faith at best. It is little better than a dry land faith, and it's not good for much. I wonder how many people have kind of faith that just has them paddle along the edge or dry land faith. Many of you may have heard the story. I don't know. I, I seem to go back to it um, uh, time and again. Uh, the s- story of a man who was, who was hiking out one day, and he's hiking along a cliff. Have you ever been hiking along a cliff? I have, right? It can be both exhilarating and a little scary, right? But this guy's hiking along, and next thing you know, he falls off the edge of the cliff, and as he's going down, he grabs a branch that's hanging out of the side of that cliff, and he's hanging there, and, he, and, he, and he's desperate for his life, and he looks up to the heavens, and he says, is anybody up there? And the clouds come, and the voice comes booming from the clouds. Yes, my son, I am here. And so he says, well, can you help me? Can you save me, please? And, the, and so the voice says, and of course we know it's God's voice. He, the voice says, well, do you believe in me? Yes, I believe in you. Do you trust me? Yes, I trust you. Do you have faith in me? Yes, I have faith in you. Then let go of the branch. Is anybody else up there? It's kind of the way our faith is sometimes. Come on, let's admit it, right? I'm reminded, and I want to remind us this morning, that faith is not a magic potion by which we dupe God into giving us exactly what we want or turning him into a genie in the bottle. But rather, faith is a key that unlocks the door to God's work and blessing within our lives. 
Faith is not mouthing or confessing, as some have said, a, a set of positive words that deny the reality of what it is we might be facing in our lives. But faith is our response to God, a response of trust and confidence in God, believing in all he has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. You see, faith is meant to be a part, just a natural part of our relationship with God as we come to him like children coming to their good father. And when John talks about faith here, he talks about believing, he talks about faith, he's not talking about some generic faith, you know, just believe, oh, the Josh Groban song, just believe, believe. When I say, Josh, believe in what? Just believe. But John is writing about the importance of holding on to our faith in Jesus as God's Son and as our Savior. Having faith in the reality of who Jesus is, as John has spoken to us about it. Faith in all that Jesus has done for us through his, through his life, through his death, through his resurrection. He writes to us of the importance of having faith, a continued faith, as we'll see, in Jesus. Now, I want to take a moment to, to, to highlight for us verses 6 through 10, which, which in some ways they seem to like be like this insert, but they really are part of the flow of what John is saying to us here. And I want us to note that, again, John is responding to the false teachers that we've spoken about in, in other messages from, from his epistle, especially those teachers who taught that Jesus Christ didn't come in the flesh and that he didn't die in the flesh, that, that, that he just seemed to be in physical form, in a physical form, but he was really just a spirit. See, that's, that was the teaching that was going on at the time. But John is, again, highlighting the reality of Jesus. You remember in chapter 1, he says, this is what we've seen, this is what we've heard, we've touched him, we, we were there with him. Yes, he was real. Not just a spirit, he was real. And John is concerned about those who were turning from the faith, the faith they had been taught about Jesus. But John here in these verses, he says, listen, not only have we as apostles given testimony to the reality of Jesus, but God himself has given us his testimony regarding who Jesus is, that Jesus is the divine son of God who came in the flesh, who lived and died and was raised to new life in the flesh. And it's as if the picture that John is drawing, it's as if we're, we're in this courtroom, in this court of law, God is the star attorney, and he's now calling his witnesses. And he calls three witnesses a threefold testimony regarding who Jesus is. Testimony number one is the water. I know some of our translation says, just says water, but, but in, in the original language, it's the water, which speaks of the baptism of Jesus. For we know that by his baptism, Jesus showed that he had truly taken on human nature, albeit a sinless one. It was at Jesus' baptism, if you remember, that God the Father confirmed Jesus as his son come in the flesh, right? As the voice came from heaven saying, this is my son, and with him I'm well pleased. The water. Testimony number two, witness number two, the blood which speaks of the death and the cross of Jesus. And, and remember, John was the only apostle who was at the foot of the cross and who actually saw Jesus died. So this is, like, this is really close to John's heart. 
Whereas Jesus' baptism reminds us that he took on our nature at his birth, the cross reminds us that he took on our sins at his death. The blood testifies that Jesus, the Son of God, was sent to this earth to pay the price for our sin and thus be our Savior, and that he did so by actually dying a physical death. This wasn't some ghost up there. This wasn't some image up there. But this was Jesus in the flesh who was shedding his blood for us, paying the price for our sin. And testimony number three, witness number three, is the Spirit. And you remember at Jesus' baptism, how the Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove as a sign of of confirmation of who Jesus was and God's anointing upon his life. Listen, if he was just a spirit himself, he wouldn't need the anointing, but he was a man. He came in the flesh, and, and thus the anointing of God came upon him. And it was the spirit that came to the believers on Pentecost as a sign that Jesus had returned back to heaven. Just as Jesus said, listen, when I get back to my father's house, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And he fulfilled his promise. And beyond that, we've been reading... Here in John, we see elsewhere that it's the Spirit of God who is the Spirit of truth who reveals to us who Jesus is, what he can do in our lives. John, again, he's written in chapter 2. Listen, you have an anointing upon your life. What's that anointing? It's the, the, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth who's come into the lives of each person who's put their faith in Jesus as a son of God. In essence, John is saying, listen, just don't take our word for it. For God himself has given us reason to put our faith in Jesus, in Jesus as the Christ, to believe in Jesus as the Son of God who came from from the glories of heaven, the preexistent Son of God, but who came in the flesh to die for our sins, to be our Savior. And he says, listen, and if you don't believe, well, guess what? I hate to tell you this. You're calling God a liar. And as John, he... But here's the point. John is encouraging us to believe God by putting our faith in Jesus and holding on to that faith. John is reminding us of the importance of faith, faith in Jesus Christ, that we would keep on believing, that we might not give up our faith. Why? Because there were people in John's day, they had once received, they had once believed, or so they said, but they were turning away, they were falling away, they were throwing in the towel on their faith for for all kinds of reasons, including these false teachings. And then through this whole section... As John is encouraging us and reminding us of the importance of our faith, he, sh- he, he describes for us, he describes for us the end result of faith in Jesus. The end result. The first is this. Faith in Jesus leads to life. Amen? Faith in Jesus leads to life. We see in verses 1 through 3 and verses 11 through 13, but he starts, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. He's speaking about life. Verse 12, whoever has the Son has life. Notice he speaks, first of all, about new life. That when you put your faith in Jesus, John says, you're born of God. Jesus describes it as being born again. This is the point at which a person first puts their faith in Jesus Christ, gives their life to following him, and so the Holy Spirit comes into their life and begins to work on them from the inside out. You know, we like to work on ourselves from the outside in. 
Oh, if I can just like make myself better, you know, do more good works, become more religious, then I'll be a better person. No, 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 no. Jesus says, listen, it's the other way around. You need to be born again. The Holy Spirit comes in and begins to work on you from the inside out. And as he does, all of life, all of life begins all over again. You know, many of you know that, well, I'll just brag on it again. Kim and I became grandparents a couple weeks ago. Boy, we're just like FaceTiming a lot to see little Jesse Gabriel. You know, my son's holding him or daughter-in-law's holding him. We're like, I don't want to see your face. I want to see him, you know. I want to see Jesse. But just like looking at him and seeing like this new life, newly born, everything is new. Everything is fresh. I mean, his eyes are just like exploring, right? And all the potential for, for life is before him. A brand new start. It's a clean slate. It's like no one can say to him, oh, well, Jesse, you messed up like five years ago, nine months ago. No, no, no. It's a brand new slate for him. Starting all over. Well, not all over. Just starting for him. You see, that's what Jesus is describing for us. That's what John's describing for us. This is where it all begins. This is what it means to be born again. We put our faith in Jesus. We receive new life. We begin, we, we begin to live a new life. Everything just starts all over again for us. The, the, the slate is completely clean. There's new potential and new hope, new life. But I noticed something about, about verse 5 there. We read in our, in our translations, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. But, but literally, from the original language, it says this, you who are believing have been born of God. And, and the thought here is, yes, we believe at one point when we first put our faith in Jesus, but we continue to believe, we continue to live in faith, a faith, a faith by which we continue to experience the new life of God within us so that we can go on to live a life of love as we've been reading about, a life of obedience as John has been speaking about. John says to us, listen, as you put your faith in Jesus and as you continue in that faith, this is what your life is going to look like. It's a brand new life, or as Paul puts it, old things have passed away and all things have become new. Aren't you glad for that this morning? Old things passed away. Listen, the slate just wiped clean and you get a brand new start. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, someone online, you say amen too. But not only is it new life, but John, John highlights for us that it's also eternal life. And eternal life means that although one day my physical body will die, my spirit will always live. My spirit right, right, will live forever in the presence of God. And not only not is it only a spirit living, but, but one day there's a new resurrection where we, there's a resurrection where we all receive new bodies. And we get to live, live in the presence of Christ. John 3.16, many of you know well. Whoever believes, they have everlasting, everlasting life. Jesus says, listen, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asks the question, do you believe this? Come on, church, do you believe this? Do I believe this? 
And so John, John says to us, listen, as we place our faith in the person, the work of Jesus Christ, and continue in that faith, live as people of faith, we receive new life, we begin to live our lives in a new way, and we receive the gift of eternal life so that we can know that we will live with God forever. I just have to ask you this morning, whether you're here in the sanctuary or you're online with us today, have you experienced the life of Jesus at work within you? Have you been born again? Do you know what it means to have the hope of eternal life? Listen, it all begins with faith. Taking a step of faith. Putting your faith in Jesus Christ as a son of God, as your savior. Faith to the point that you say, I'm not going to paddle around on the edges, but I'm going to dive all the way in. I'm going to give my life to following Jesus. It all comes by faith. Faith in Jesus brings Life, new life, eternal life. But secondly, John highlights for us that faith in Jesus brings victory. How many of us need victory in our lives? Right? In verse number four, we read these words. He says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. But literally, from the original Greek, it says this. All those things that are born of God overcome the world. And the statement that John makes is this broad sweeping statement as he proclaims that everything that is of God is victorious over this world. Aren't you glad for that today? And thus he declares that those who have faith in Jesus have victory. Why? Because now they are of God. They have victory, victory over God the world. And I just remind us again this morning that when John speaks of the world, he's referring to the systems of this world that are in opposition to God and to his people. He's referring to the philosophies and teachings of this world that would lead us away from the truth of the gospel. He's speaking of the desires and lusts of this world that would lead us out of God's will for our lives and, and, and just have us spin downward, spiral downward. The world stands in opposition to God, to his kingdom, and to his people. The world is under the control of the prince of this world, as Jesus says, Satan himself. The world, as John shows us, is filled with the spirit of the Antichrist. In fact, at the end of this chapter, in verse 19, John says this, we know that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Now that explains a lot, doesn't it? I mean, some of us are like fighting battles and, you know, we're, you know, wondering what's going on in our lives and what's going on in our world and how could this be happening and how could we be spiraling downward and having all this conflict around us? Well, John explains it. The whole world is under the control of the evil one. In other words, he's pretty much getting his way. And so it's no wonder that God's people throughout the centuries have found themselves being tempted and tested and tried and pushed to the fringes of society and culture and even persecuted, often fleeing for their lives and facing death itself. John has made it clear that our world is filled with that which is in opposition to Christ and to his people. And so like Jesus, he tells, he tells the believers not to be surprised that the world hates them. In fact, the whole New Testament warns followers of Jesus that they will most likely go through some very hard times of persecution. We're like, oh no, I don't want that. 
that's what the Bible says. In fact, throughout most of world history, Christian history, the, the church, the people of God, have been under attack. But the question becomes, well, then how will we as followers of Jesus survive? Well, not just survive, but how will we thrive in a world that is antithetical to all that we believe in, in a world that seems to constantly come against all that we hold dear? How can we be victorious in the midst of a world that constantly pounds against us as God's people? And John says, listen, here's how. It comes by faith, holding on to our faith in Jesus. For as we persevere in our faith, as we cling to our faith in God, in the person of Jesus Christ, in the Word of God, as we continue to believe that Jesus is the way of salvation, as we continue to believe that God will reward those who live according to His ways, as we continue to trust in the Holy Spirit to help us and guide us, we begin to experience the strength and the power that we need to overcome the pressures and the persecutions of this world. We receive the ability to say no to this world and to say yes to God. See, no matter what happens, for John already told us, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That means the Holy Spirit that's in you as a follower of Jesus is greater than that one who has control over this world, the prince of this world, Satan. Greater is he. John asks in verse 5, who is it that overcomes this, the world? And he gives the answer, only the one who believes, literally the one who is believing that Jesus is the Son of God. That is the one who is victorious over this world. The one who's able to live the kind of life that they know they should live and stand up to the pressures and the persecutions, whatever might come our way. The one who is victorious over the world is the one who continues to believe. They continue to trust. They continue to have faith in Jesus. Oh, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. What? I have overcome the world. And as we live our lives filled with faith in Jesus, guess what? His victory becomes our victory. Amen? As we continue to live each day holding on to Jesus, trusting Him with our lives in each and every situation we might face, He helps us to experience a victory by which we ourselves might know victory, and a victory that we could never have known on our own. For faith in Jesus becomes the anchor of our lives. Faith in Jesus keeps us focused on our eternal destiny. Faith in Jesus causes us to say no to this world, to reject false teaching, to endure whatever might come our way. Faith in Jesus brings to us the victory. Faith is the victory. A life of faith leads to a life of victory. And finally this morning, John would say to us, and faith in Jesus results in confidence before God. Confidence before. He speaks there, verses 13 through 15, about confidence to approach God. That is, we don't have to come to God fearfully like, oh no, maybe I'm going to go to God. You know, a lot of people, they've been brought up to think, well, if I go into God's presence, well, he's, gonna, he's just going to start like screaming at me all my sins and start hitting me over the head. But we don't have to come to God fearfully, wondering whether or not he's going to accept us or reject us. Rather, because of our faith in Jesus, we now come in the name of Jesus, not in our own name, 
But we come in the name of Jesus, and we come as his children. And thus we come confidently, believing that God welcomes us as his children into his presence. So as Paul writes, we can cry out, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. It's such a, such a, a, a basic, like, 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 like family name, Abba, Father. Right? My kids asked me right before Jesse was born, so what do you want to be called? I said, just call me Grandpa, but I want it to be said like this, Grandpa. They're like, why do you want to be said like that? I say, because my Greek grandfather would always say, come to Grandpa. Right? I don't know. I just kind of liked it, you know? Sounds like so, you know? The book of Hebrews says this, Hebrews chapter 4. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He goes on, Hebrews 10, to write, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Don't run away from him. Draw near to him in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. Yes, John says, listen, as you put your faith in Jesus, as you live by faith in Jesus, you can know you can have confidence to go to God. And not just to go to him, but to ask of him. Confidence to ask of God. But notice that John makes it clear here that prayer and faith, it, you know, they don't mean that we demand of God just anything we like or anything we, we want. He writes in verse 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. As we pray according to God's will for our lives, how many of us know sometimes we can pray out of God's will? God, I can't stand those people. Will you just burn their house down? Right? No, that's not praying according to God's will. But when we pray according to God's will, we can know that he hears us as we pray. By and through faith in Jesus, we believe that God not only allows us to come into his presence, but he as well invites us to ask of him. It's kind of like he's saying, come on, tell me what you have need of today. Let me hear it from your mouth. Speak to me today. And we can know that he will answer all of our prayers based on his good and perfect will for us as his children. And so we're reminded today that by faith, by means of our faith in Jesus, we can confidently come before God our Father, ask of him, and know that he hears and answers the prayers of his children. What a privilege. What a blessing. Amen. Amen. You know, the world around us will will always speak against our faith in Jesus Christ. The circumstances and situations of life will always work to discourage your faith. The enemy of your soul wants to create enough doubt in your mind that you will eventually throw in the towel on your faith. But you see, it's as you and I, as, as we continue in our faith in Jesus Christ, that the key goes into that door opens the door and unlocks the work of God into our lives. And John reminds us today that faith is not a one-time event by which we are saved. Thank you, Kim. Rather, faith is an ongoing activity, a way of life for the followers of Jesus Christ. 
You will, you, you will need to declare, I will need to declare every day, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I mean, it might be the very first thing you need to say when you get up. Maybe as you're driving somewhere, as, as you know you're going into a meeting that's going to be a really hard meeting, as you're facing some stuff that's happening, maybe as you're watching the news or reading it online, and you say, what in the world is happening? And, 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 or, or just might be as temptation and trial and testing starts to come into your life and you begin to get discouraged, you and I, we need to declare, I believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, as the Son of God who came in the flesh and came to die for my sins and three days later rose from the grave. Oh, John wants to remind us today that faith is not a one-time event by which we are saved. Well, I come to an altar, I pray a prayer, and I put my faith in Jesus. Yes, that's where it starts. But faith is meant to be an ongoing activity, a way of life for the followers of Jesus Christ. And it's this ongoing faith that then results in the blessings of God within our lives. It's, again, it's that ongoing faith that unlocks the door to God's work in our lives, that we might experience the life of Christ every day, His life being poured into us, that we might experience victory over this world, not just a one-time victory, but time and again, the victory of Jesus becomes our victory, and that we might have confidence before God, our Father, to come before Him and to, and to experience His presence and to ask of Him. And so this morning, I close with just two simple questions. The first is this. Have you yet put your faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ? Have you ever taken that step of faith? If not, I want to encourage you today, maybe for the very first time, to take a step of faith and say, Jesus, today I put my faith in you as the Son of God, as Savior. And so I give myself to following you because you know what, Jesus? I need your life. I need to be born again. I need to be changed from the inside out. I need everlasting life. I want to know that when I go from this life to the next that I'm going to go into the presence of God, Jesus. I put my faith in you as the one who's made that way possible. Jesus, I need your victory. I'm tired of constantly feeling defeated and overwhelmed by the situations and the stuff that comes into my life and all the stuff that's happening around me. Jesus, I need your victory. Jesus, I need to know that confidence that John writes about that when I go before God in prayer, as I cry out, a lot of people say, oh, I, I, I just, you know, cry out to God, but then they're not quite sure God hears them. Listen, put your faith in Jesus, and you can know that as a child of God, God will hear every prayer. He invites you. Have you yet taken that step of faith? If not, this morning as I close in prayer, I want to encourage you to just begin to pray and say, Jesus, today I put my faith in you to follow after you that I'd receive new life and victory and confidence as your child. But secondly, church, those of you who say, yeah, well, I've taken that step. I just want to ask you this morning, are you living your life filled with faith, that is, with an ongoing faith, trusting God, trusting Jesus each and every step of the way? Or did you pray a prayer one time and then you kind of left your faith at the altar? 
Or maybe somewhere along the line, stuff began to happen. You just kind of like dropped it along the way. Today, you need to say, Jesus, I put my faith in you for what's happening in my life, maybe for my failures that I've experienced recently. I put my faith in you to give me a new sense of your life at work within me. So I might say it's no longer I who lives, like Paul said, but, but it's Christ who lives in me. And I might experience victory over like all this stuff that's coming my way. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to manage it. Sometimes I just feel like throwing in the towel. New confidence. New confidence to pray. To know that God, your Father, hears you. I want church, I want to encourage us today. Let your life be filled with faith. Not just faith in just anything out there. But faith in Jesus Christ. The one who came from the glories of heaven. He lived among us as a man. He died in the flesh on the cross, shedding his blood for our sin. And who rose again from the grave and ascended to the right hand of God the Father. Will you bow your heads with me? The worship team is going to come. Father, this morning, this morning here in this place, we pray. We pray and we thank you, Father God, for giving to us your Son, Jesus, to be our Savior. I pray for someone maybe here in the sanctuary or someone out there online who maybe for the first time is taking a step of faith as they as they declare faith in Jesus and they put their, their life into the hands of Jesus today to follow him. God, today I pray for them that they would know what it means to be born again, to be born of God, to receive new life and, and the hope of eternal life, that they would begin to experience the life of God within them and that life would bring to them new hope and new victory and the ability to pray and to live their lives in relationship with you. God, I pray that you would touch them today. Lord, for those of us who, for those of us who've known you, I pray, God, that you would help us to live as John instructs us to live, living lives of continued faith, continually declaring no matter what happens around us, no matter what happens to us, continually declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and that we would be able to say with the Apostle Paul, it's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. Not just yesterday, but today and tomorrow and into the days to come. That we would know that the victory of Christ is ours. That we would know that we live our lives as the children of God in relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. We thank you this morning for Jesus and all that he's done for us. 